Welcome back to The Hash, the world's medical-grade cannabis podcast, now powered by Leafly.com. Use Leafly to order cannabis for dispensary pickup right from your computer. I'm David Downs. As you might have heard, California's legal cannabis sales are popping. We have more than 600 licensed stores open and 150 delivery services. The state made $600 million in tax revenue last year, on its way to $1 billion in annual taxes. But things are also turbulent. That's right, the market is shuddering. Heavy regulations and taxes are bearing down on the industry for the first time, and it's causing anguish among industry operators. So we sat down with California's number one regulator, Lori Ajax, chief of the Bureau of Cannabis Control, to chat about what consumers and the industry should expect next. Delivery services are by far the biggest issue on Lori's plate. BCC final rules in 2019 clarified that delivery companies can drop anywhere in the state, even in the 75% of California that ban brick-and-mortar stores. In response, 23 local cities and counties have sued the BCC to strike that rule. Lori explained her agency's legal reasoning. I think we were a little overwhelmed, too, that one sentence in over 150 pages of text got the most comments. I think we got uh, well over a few thousand comments for wow. and against. It was huge. From the beginning, we always felt if we issue a uh, any retail license has the ability to deliver. And if we issue that license, trying to like tell that licensee, you can only deliver in this area, and that you would have to have drivers try to figure out when they leave that area, would almost be impossible to regulate. That was our opinion from the beginning, and then we decided we, we were getting so many questions, we needed to put it in the regs. And um, it, that was, like I said, very controversial, but I think it was the right decision. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens, because I know there's still uh, you know, many folks that aren't happy with it at the local level. I think the road was was a little bumpy along the way getting there. I think you saw, you know, the response from League of Cities and police chiefs, but I think the overwhelming point was just that this is what the people voted for. This is what they wanted. Uh, but what we're starting to see is, uh, you know, San Francisco uh, city attorney just came out with uh, a memo saying that they're going to restrict delivery. Just uh, you have to have a license with the city of San Francisco in order to deliver. And I believe they're not going to allow what we call the ice cream truck or the dynamic delivery. Now, cities and counties can be more restrictive than our regulations, so, um, but they would be enforcing that on their own. The state wouldn't be enforcing something like that. So I think it's just, you're just gonna see a patchwork of what cities and counties are doing to uh, licensees in their area and what they're gonna require. I know some of them want the tax revenue. So if Caliva's coming in from the Bay Area to San Diego and they're making a delivery, they want that tax revenue also. We're gonna have to actually practice, you know, the delivery license model to kind of suss out some of the more granular limits of, of, of it and, and how big cities barriers can, you know, be, how big a barrier cities can erect to, you know, this sort of right for these businesses. I, I think it's, it's the statute itself. It's how we interpret the statute that you can't prevent delivery on any public road. So I think that's where we're going to be, you know, that is where we're going to have. It's a right-of-way issue. It's, 
for us, it was just simple. If we give you a delivery license, you're, you, you're entitled to go anywhere in the state to deliver your drivers. And we're regulating you. you there's very strict regulations on what a, a regulated delivery driver has to do. There's, there's limits on how much they can carry. They have to have GPS. The licensee has to know where they are. So we feel like public, that we're, the public safety is more safe with regulated delivery drivers than all the unlicensed delivery drivers that are out there. And there was far too many instances where I think there was some number I saw where people had to drive, you know, on average 60 miles just to get access to a, to a licensed retailer. And for a lot of people, especially patients, that's, that's not a possibility. So I think that when you look at, when you look at allowing delivery, I think it just is, it's common sense more than anything else. And that's uh, the direction it was headed. Allowing delivery should help voters get access to the legal cannabis they approved. While three-quarters of cities and counties currently ban local pot shops, Lori is optimistic about the pace of change. I think it's improving. We're, we're seeing it improve. I'm going to say, but it's not as fast as we need it to go. I will say that because you guys go uh, pretty fast. So even for the state to keep up with you, it's a challenge and we try. And so I think for us, we, we are just constantly trying to, what more can we do to get cities and counties to embrace uh, cannabis regulation? Because, of course, we think um, if you're regulating it, that's got to be better than not regulating it. But I think we're starting to see that movement uh, again. I, I mean, we, 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 we thought it would be at a quicker pace than it was, but um, we're getting there. Hopefully in 2019, that, that pace sort of continues and we see more and more of that. But we are, we are seeing it, and that's, I think, the, the uh, encouraging thing. I, I'm just going to add, I definitely think having our final regulations in place is helping because before they weren't sure. We kept changing them, right? And cities and counties don't like that, <laughs> just like you guys probably don't like it either. <laughs> so I think having just consistency is going to really help things this year. We're finding that the locals are struggling, just as confusing it is for our applicants. They're also confused on what the regulations say, what the state is doing. So uh, we've just really recognized that we have to have a lot more outreach. We've been doing a lot of outreach, but we need to do a lot more. We're in the midst of a reckoning with quality control in cannabis. In 2018, shelves went bare as testing rules took effect. The rules got more strict in 2019, but Traverso said the industry has been cleaning up its act so far. You know, we, we haven't had any issues. Most of our labs are ready to do phase three testing. They already had the equipment. They got all their staff trained. So we haven't heard too much about it yet. Um, but then again, still a lot of, there hasn't been as much phase three testing yet because a lot of product was before January 1st. So uh, we're continuing to monitor that. Um, you know, failed batches continues to be, uh, we have a failure rate of just under 13%. And that continues to be mainly for labeling issues, which should make you feel okay, because it's the cannabinoids labeling issues. And then probably next in line is pesticides. So those are, uh, but really way below the labeling. I think if you notice, if you were following from, you know, July up until now, uh, we've got a weekly report that we send out that you can get access to and have mailed to you every week so you can see. Um, I think the failure rate has continued to drop. I think it started at about 20, and like Lori mentioned, it's under 13% now, and it continues to move down. And I think that just shows that um, the adaptability and how people are sort of getting used to the, the standards and, and, uh, and things are progressing. So that's, that's good. In 2018, legalization brought with it emergency rules around childproof packaging, and it drove everyone crazy. 
Ajax says 2019's rules are final, and the industry has a deadline of one year to get everything into individual childproof packages. Until then, stores can group orders into one bag that's childproof called an exit bag. You know, I, sometimes we do try to uncomplicate things, but it just seems to get complicated again. So, um, because I don't, I, we're, we're of the mind, if we can make it easy to understand and uncomplicated, it's a lot easier for people to comply. Last year, we had our emergency regs where childproof uh, packaging occurred at manufacturing. And then we, when we came out with our proposed in midsummer, we actually proposed that the exit packaging that's required by statute when the, at retail, that we combine that and say that's going to be your childproof packaging and it would be encompassed in the exit packaging. We got a ton of comments on that also. Um, that did not stay. Um, we had to change that. Public health is requiring uh, childproof packaging at manufacture for uh, all, all manufactured products, and including flour. Uh, there is a year uh, period to transition. So that did not, you know, that was something we proposed um, that didn't stick. So um, we're back to childproof packaging as it originally was in the emergency reg. Ajax says the industry is going to need to stay tuned. Even though final regs are written, little tweaks will follow probably most important. We want people out there. We want them operating. Now we move into looking at the annual application. And it, and it is challenging. It's, it's, it's a lot of rules, a lot of, uh, a lot of things that you have to provide to the Bureau, or, the, or whether it's the Bureau of Food and Ag or Public Health. Uh, but we're working on trying to figure out what's the most challenging things for our applicants and how we can make it easier for them to comply with our, our rules and get the documents that we need. This summer, the Bureau will launch an education campaign to help consumers find licensed stores. And they will roll out a state-level equity program to increase minority participation in legal cannabis. We'll have more of those updates on California over at Leafly.com. Make sure to subscribe, like, and share The Hash on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. For The Hash, I'm David Downs, and I'll see you next week.